You're listening to Beyond the Key. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Key. I am your host, Kaylee, and today I'm here with my friend, Carlos. Carlos, Hello. thank you so much for being here. Um, you reached out to me about a month ago. I'm so excited to be part of the show, and I'm so happy to have you here. So before we get started, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you host a podcast. You're living in New York. What's going on? What's up? I do both of those things. <laughs> um, my name is Carlos. I host a podcast. It's called Notes. People read the notes on their phone. It's very fun. And then, um, I don't know, I also work Uber Eats. I work for, uh, for uh, editing videos. I flip things. I do a lot of stuff. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And where can everybody listen to Notes? Oh, that's on anywhere you get podcasts, and um, you just type in Notes and Carlos, probably on Spotify or podcast or whatever, and it'll, and it'll come up. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, everybody go check him out there. Um, and now we're here today to talk about Jeff Buckley, who yeah. Carlos is a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give a little bit of background info. So Jeff was originally raised as Scott Moorhead. He was an American singer, songwriter, and guitarist, um, best known to the audience for probably his rendition of Hallelujah that became immensely popular. He amassed a major following in the early 90s by covering songs in New York. And then after increasing in popularity, he ended up signing with Columbia Records, gained a whole band, released his first solo album, Grace, in 1994. So, Carlos, my first question for you is, did you discover Jeff through listening to Grace or was it Hallelujah that took you searching to discover more of his work? Mm -hmm. What was that discovery process like? Um, it's actually kind of funny, uh, remember when Shrek came out and yeah. <laughs> there's like the cover of Hallelujah that they do, it's a different version than Jeff's. And so I was listening to that and then Jeff's was like in the recommended on YouTube or whatever. And then, and then I heard him and I was like, who is this magic man? <laughs> <laughs> and then from there you were just, you were just yeah. hooked. Oh, I was hooked. Yeah. Forever. I mean, that was like maybe my junior year of high school and I'm 27 now. So it's just been ever since. Wow. And to give everybody a little bit more background, um, in 1997, he had moved to Tennessee after touring um, to promote his album, Grace. Mm -hmm. And he was working on his second album, which was, you know, supposed to be titled My Sweetheart, The Drunk. Mm -hmm. Uh, But while waiting for his band to depart from New York City, he unfortunately drowned um, to be said what was a spontaneous swim in the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Carlos, what is it like to be such a big fan of an artist who unfortunately has had such a short artistic life? Is it tough knowing that you'd never be able to see him live and never get new music? Or does it kind of mean more to you knowing that this is all all that you have? Does it like hold a more of a special meaning? What does that kind of look like to you? Yeah, that's that's a good question, because on the one hand, obviously, his his uh, discography is limited, but he was such a lover of music and covers and and all that stuff that he has so much work even though uh he has so much like demo work out even though it's not um you know studio recorded of course so there's always like little stuff coming out little little clips and things that are just great 
Yeah, that's good. That's a good point too. you know, an artist who is able to translate other music into his own and kind of create his own world that way. You Mm -hmm. do kind of get like an endless collection and even, you know, appreciating artists that he appreciated through covers is another way to kind of connect with him in that sense too. Yeah. Um, So does his music to you feel timeless in a certain way? Yes. He's like, the way that I always describe him is that I heard Quentin Tarantino say this thing once where he was like, there are some people that love movies and then there are some people that love the movies that they like. And he said, (laughs) I'm a person that loves movies, just anything that is, you know, out there. And I feel like Jeff was like that with music. Like he plays anything like he has rock songs. He has folk songs, country songs. He has um, reggae, uh, Indian influences. His favorite artist was a Indian singer, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. And like, it's just, he has so much influence. So like the reason he was such a big deal for me in high school was because I listened to him and then he would be like, yeah, these are the dudes like you got to listen to. So I was like, okay. And then I discovered like Joni Mitchell and Led Zeppelin and like uh, Nina Simone and Ella Fitzgerald, like all these people, Miles Davis. It was, everything was because of him. That's amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. what is that like having a connection to an artist where you almost form a relationship with them to be like, hey, this artist is like basically providing me all of the music that I end up loving. Like that's such a special connection. What is that kind of like for you? Yeah, he was like, it's like I didn't grow up with that music in my house. Like my my dad liked 80s house music from New York and my mom just like all these like Spanish like swooners. So I didn't really grow up with that at all. So then like in high school, I was like, I started getting into all this weird stuff and they didn't know what was happening. And I just felt like I had like an older brother that was like, you know, an almost famous where she like passes his brother, Simon and Garfunkel with the weed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a good reference. Yeah. Um, and like, so you said that, you know, you like that he covers a bunch of different genres and he mm-hmm. kind of dips his toes into all these different types of covers and different genres of music. Mm-hmm. What does it take for someone to become your favorite artist? Is that yeah. a, a, like a key point for you of somebody who's exploratory and somebody who is diving into all these different genres? Like what mm-hmm. would what would it take for somebody to be one of your favorite artists the way that Jeff has been? That's a good question. He like um, he really set a high bar for me in terms of other artists, because the thing that I admire the most about him is that he was just so like referential to everything. Like he really respected all the music that he would cover and he, not only would he respect it, but he would add his own things to it, you know, and like kind of carry that torch. And those are right now, those are the musicians that I love the most that, that they like, they're not only, good at what they do he's a phenomenal singer i mean i could talk about that for hours he was a great guitar player like he really studied guitar like blues artists and stuff but then also he would like he would just like uh teach you stuff about history of music you know what i mean i discovered the smiths from him wow yeah that was like that was a big deal for me that's amazing. And you mentioned his singing. You said you could talk mm-hmm. about it for hours. What is it about his voice? Because it is, it strikes a different chord. I was listening mm-hmm. to Grace um, earlier and his voice just hits different. You don't hear a singer like yeah. that almost ever. What is what, what is unique um, of his voice to you? Um, um, for a long time, I thought it was magic. And then I started taking singing lessons like two years ago or three years ago. And I can hear different things in it now. And the thing that is always sticks out to me is that he was not concerned 
with sounding pretty all the time. Mm. Like a lot of singers want to sound beautiful. They want to sound good. They want to be on a pitch. They want to have like perfect tone. And that's great and all. That's that's awesome. That works all the time. But Jeff was like, if you want to sound sad or angry or hurt, imagine like you're crying to somebody. Your voice doesn't sound good. You know what I mean? Like right. it's your ugliest cry, <laughs> you know? And so he would like, he would do that in his music and it might at first, like I hear it and it, it's like a uh, kind of cringe. You're like, what is he doing? It doesn't sound good. But like you hear like the pain of it, you know what I mean? And then when he says he loves you, like I believe it, you know, because I hear what the ugliness is too, you know? It's a lot more authentic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I agree that it's hard to find artists that per- portray that, especially today. I think, you know, with the advent of technology and how easy it is to become um, not easy, but you know how how accessible artistry is now. Yeah, I think yeah. it's hard to find that vulnerability in artists and in their voice, yeah. and that is something really special. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, obviously, you weren't able to see him yeah. live and in person, and be mm-hmm. able to see him perform, which I'm sure would have been a dream for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a local from New York, where would you have wanted to see him if you could have? Like, where would have been your dream opportunity to see him live? What would the experience have been like for you? Uh, I went, there's uh, one album that he has. It's called Live at Chenet. And it yeah. was recorded in a in a coffee shop. And it's in the Lower East Side, I think. I forget where it is. East Village or something. I don't know. And um, I went there. I went to visit it. It's like a new place now, whatever. I was like trying to go see. It's in the basement. And uh, it maybe there, I think, because he recorded this incredible freaking. Can I swear on your podcast? Of course. Okay. Okay. I'm just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> he this incredible two hours of an album live in front of like five people and there's an espresso machine playing the whole time. <laughs> like it's wow, <laughs> crazy. It's so cool. It's by himself too. There is something that is so endearing as somebody who loves music as well. There's something really endearing about artists that are so raw like yeah. that. Yeah. Like just like, they just don't give a shit that there's an espresso machine in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just, yeah. like that's so special to find that in an yeah. artist. It's just like, do you feel as somebody I know, that you play music, you said you're taking vocal lessons. Do you mm-hmm. aspire or do you pull inspiration from artists like Jeff who are yeah. so uh, lack such uniform in that way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. Like I always, I whenever I don't think about my technique as Jeff. It's just, um, but I do think about like his stage presence, in the sense that like th- he's very comfortable, you know, and he's very like he's very open and willing to show things that are vulnerable, you know? I always think about that. He's like kind of my North Star in that. But you know what's funny about Shanae is that the espresso machine, this is like a fun fact about it, the espresso machine rang out at a certain pitch that was like, I forget what pitch it was. Like say it was B flat or something. So when he was singing and playing the guitar and it was on, all of his music would clash with it. So all the songs on Shanae are tuned in some weird tuning because he wanted to match the espresso machine. (laughs) That is a great, that is the greatest anecdote you could have provided. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What a cool fact. Yeah. He's yeah. He's awesome. If that doesn't show how dope he was, I mean, what does that's like the coolest thing. (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) What would be your, 
ideal listening environment to listen to Jeff. I think he has such a certain type of music that oh, yeah. like, what would be your ideal listening experience? Cause I don't think you could listen. At least I, I at least don't think I could listen to him in every situ- situation that I could think of. Like what would be your ideal one? Yeah. Yeah. I actually had my ideal experience once there was a, uh, in Manhattan before COVID, like a month before COVID um, there's a THX theater there. I don't know. Have you heard of this? I haven't. And they were doing this like weekly series where they would play albums in the dark in these uh, uh, theaters that theaters that are like, it's like a movie theater, except it's all black and they have like the best fucking sound system in the world, you know? Wait, this sounds incredible. It was amazing. So it was amazing. And they had two shows and they did, um, they, they played all of grace in one shot and it was like the production like I heard things that I never heard before. Like it was just like pounding and like it was tight. And like you hear like, I just heard details I never heard before. And they give you like um, a sleeping mask, like a blindfold and stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's so cool. And so I listened to the whole album in the dark like that. And there was a big audience there, you know, all like Jeff fans and like date people on dates, like whatever. And um, after the album finished, it's a pretty intense album. It ends with a song called Dream Brother, which is about his uh, father that left him when he was really young. Oh. And, he's, and he, he, he has a friend who, um, who was also had a kid and was thinking about like ditching his kid. So he wrote that song as a way to say like, hey, don't do that because this happened to me and this is what it means to me, you know? So it ends on a very somber note. And after the album ended, there was like five minutes of silence in the theater. Nobody talked, nobody moved, nobody did anything. It was just silent. I have chills hearing that. That is incredible. I mean, thinking about all of my favorite albums and artists, if I had the opportunity to do what you had done, that would, to me, would be like everything to me. So It's so cool. Hopefully when things open up again, they'll do it again. Yeah, I'm going to have to come by because that sounds like out of body that's incredible um what is your favorite jeff song does it hold any certain meaning to you like i'm sure it's hard to pick i mean Um, but do you have one yeah i think so i think i would go with lover you should have come over by uh, it's on um it's on um it's on grace and um i think because that's one that he wrote and i don't know if he wrote the guitar part i think um gary lucas this guy he worked with wrote that but I think it's like the most Jeff condensed song, you know? Yeah. It's uh-huh. the most him you feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most him, you know, it has like his drama. It has his divaness. It has his technical skills. It has like all of his influences, the Indian influences, like accordion for some reason. Like it's really cool. You mentioned divaness. Was he known to be somebody who was a bit dramatic and had a diva type? Yeah. Persona? Yeah. Like, Tell well, me more. At the end of that, at the end of that song, "Lover, You Should Have Come Over," like the lyrics are like, you know, um, you know, um, all my blood for the sweetness of her laughter. She's the tear that hangs inside my soul forever. You know, um, like all this like really grandiose stuff, <laughs> you know, and like that's like the thing about Jeff is like normally I don't like lyrics like that. It's a little too abstract, and you can't sell it. But right. but this man has this voice and this energy where when he says, you know, all the tears, the, all the all, um, 
all my blood for the sweetness of her laughter. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he says it, you're like, shit, that hits. Yeah, that hits. <laughs> and you, you make a really good point about, you know, the sell ability of a song and how songs can become popular. And yeah. I wanted to ask you about what you felt regarding Jeff being known for Hallelujah, despite having, you know, an entire collection yeah. of music. Do you wish that he was discovered by more listeners or do you appreciate that he is a sensation in that certain type of way? Cause I find that yeah. always find that interesting about yeah. fans of like you, like he kind of holds something special to you and you have this collection of music that's so personal to you, but how does it feel for him to be known at least to the masses, of course, as that guy who sang hallelujah yeah. as a cover? Yeah. I think, you know, that's a good one to have. It's a good one to be known for. Yes, it you know, is. At least it's not like a, some artists are known for like one really popular song that people are annoyed by and like, you know, it's everywhere. And then when you say this is your favorite artist, you have to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, listen to the other stuff. I mean, John Mayer is kind of like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, uh, uh, usually when people, when I tell people like, Oh, he's the guy that did hallelujah. People are like, Oh, I love that song. You know, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Whatever. Yeah, he's also like not everybody's cup of tea, you know, especially like sketches for my sweetheart, the drunk uh, Jeff, you know, it's like it's more punk and like gritty and stuff. And it's not really everybody's bag. And I think that's a good point, too, of like, it's good that he's known for a song that's so good. Like, yeah. it reminds me of artists who had I don't like that term one hit wonder, but a, yeah. a song that became really popular mm -hmm. and the song just doesn't happen to be that well liked. It like <laughs> sucks, but it's good that like at least his is, a, you know, brings people to tears on a probably <laughs> daily basis. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's pretty crazy. Rolling Stone included Grace in the list of 500 greatest yeah. albums of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do you feel about that? I always, whenever I see his name pop up in lists, I'm like, yeah, they know. They know what's up. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, but it's, I, it's also cool for a one off artist who's like not really well known. He, he usually pops up in, in those like well renowned uh, lists, you know? Yeah. It's like good verification as a, as a, listener to be like oh okay i'm getting this validation mm -hmm. from this you know accredited music uh, <laughs> commentator like it's, it's a good yeah. feeling right to be like ah shit i'm not the only one who feels this way yeah you know here we go yeah yeah and i like that stuff because then like more people find it and they'll say you know whatever they'll do stuff but yeah i like it when people find them yeah do you have like any friends or any I know you said your family is a little bit different of music taste, but mm -hmm. do you have any like friends that you connect on like through Jeff or like yeah. relationships you've built because of him? Oh, a thousand percent. I, my, my best friend, Nick Arnie, shout out Nick Arnie. Uh, he, um, <laughs> he, um, we, we were real good friends because he knew that album. He really liked it when we first met and then a bunch of other ones. And um, we talk about that dude like every month, honestly, like it always comes up. We talk about something about him. And then um, and then like everybody that I ever date, it's like Jeff is ruined for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, if you if you could pick a type of artist that would be ruined yeah. in a relationship, yeah. he'd be one of them. Yeah, I, I honestly sometimes I'm like, I don't want to push it too much because I'm. I'm like spreading the gospel. It's like, you need to be able to listen to Jeff after you leave, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. You, you can't, you can't steal that opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not me, you know? 
Yeah, no, I've I've definitely had similar experiences where I just can't listen to certain artists again, and I'm like, God damn it! Which like, ones? Oh gosh, I think the, <laughs> I think the Smiths is one of them for me. Oh damn! Okay, yeah, yeah, no, like I'll oh yeah, that. just ruin one of the best artists, <laughs> one of the best bands of all time for me. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I, they're I'm, one of them. I have that with uh, what's the guy that tried to write all the albums about every state? Oh, Sophia oh. Stevens. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I can't, yep. I can't listen to Sufjan Stevens, even though he's awesome. That's that's definitely I he you know like we're we're naming artists that all fall under a very similar category <laughs> of just like soul crushing but beautiful music. Yeah. Um, where do you think like Jeff's career would have taken him if he was around today? Like, if you could, it's so hard, right, to forecast what where he could have gone. But what mm-hmm. would you have seen? Would you have seen him like? increasing in popularity and staying on the scene do you think he would have always stayed more low-key like what would you yeah. imagine for him i i i have i've heard two things one i've heard that there were people around him that felt like he was going to be the next springsteen you know wow. like really big they you know and i can see that um there are also people around him that said that he didn't re- he couldn't really handle fame that he was very sensitive and and that it just like took a toll on him you know emotionally mm-hmm. um but from his point of view i've heard an interview where he was like uh yeah i could write a better album than grace like i don't even like that one i don't he's like he was basically like eh, whatever like my next one's gonna be better and very defensive <laughs> and um um i honestly have no idea what that man would have made next because sketches for my sweetheart the drunk is like practically a nirvana album in how like gritty it is. And then he was going to throw out that whole album and make something else. So I don't know. He, I, I, I do get the sense though. Like he would be like a, like a Bob Dylan type of figure who like has all these eras that, you know, people have strong opinions about, you know, or like Kanye that has these eras that are literally like you talk about Kanye as if he has like three different types of people, you know, he's uh, old Kanye, who's like really happy than the new Kanye with Yeezus. And now there's like Trump Kanye, Jesus Kanye. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's like, I feel like he would have been like that where we don't even know what's going on with Jeff, you know? No, that's a good point. I'm very, um, for those of you who aren't, don't know as my audience, but if you don't know, then you need to go listen to probably every other episode I've recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. And right. it's very similar in that sense where there's a reputation Taylor and there's a fearless Taylor. Yeah. They're all loved in their very own unique way. Um, yeah. Especially her early stuff, like the early stuff where she's writing about like high school and, right. and it's country and the acoustic guitar. Like that's a different person. <laughs> it is. It's just a completely different person. I think mm-hmm. it's cool. Like th- that kind of brings me to a good question of like, do you like do you like artists that do that? Because I know some people. Yeah, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like some people get really, like, kind of aggravated when artists switch it up and like yeah. go from genre to genre. And yeah. and I know Taylor got a lot of shit for that. I know you know when Kanye puts out a more exper- experimental album, you know that also comes with the cost of critics as well. Yeah. What, how do you feel about that? Do you, are you somebody who's like, oh yeah, go for it. Like I'll listen to whatever you make. Or are you yeah. like, hey, stay on your lane? I prefer I I prefer artists that will change like that. Like like the example I always give is Metallica that they they had some changes like 
their first three albums were pretty similar, but then they went to the Black Album, and that was like a pretty big deal for them, you know, slowing it down and like they changed metal for a little bit. Um, but but now Metallica is like doing the same shit. They play the same set every year. Like I love them, but 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 what are you angry about? Like you're billionaires, you know? What right, I mean? right. Like, like what else? Do, what are you rebelling against? I don't even know anymore. You know? So like, there's a certain point where if you don't change, I think it starts to be incongruent with what we know about you as a person. You know? Um. Um. So yeah, I I I love artists that change like that. John Mayer is a great example of that, where he like every album is like a different concept album for him. You know, he like just chooses a totally different sound. And sometimes I'm like totally not into it, but you know, I, I respect that. Tyler, the creator is somebody who I'm like, I don't care what you do, do whatever you want. I will listen right. to it. I will <laughs> give it a good shot, you know? <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really good point. I think Coldplay is similar in that sense too, mm, where like yeah. their records have evolved so much over time. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that's a very good point of like, whether you like it or not, people know what you're up to. Yeah. And there and there's a lack of authenticity when you stay in a lane like like going back to what you said imagine if Taylor Swift just kept writing about high school and she's 31, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Everybody would be like, "Wait, what the fuck? Didn't she grow up?" you know? Um <laughs> uh, and so I think it, yeah. that, that's a really good point of like, "Hey, we're watching you grow as a person. Yep. You should probably reflect that in your music if you want, you know? I think yeah. I I agree with you. I'm much more I'm much more that way too." Yeah, you know who just did that? um jay-z just re- released 444 like in 2020 or 2019 i forget but it was such a like a uh, people always say like rap is a is a young man's game you know like rap is just for but he made this like very mature like i'm in my 50s i make investments business investments now you know like i'm not wasting yeah. all my money like trap rappers or whatever and he's talking about like really like conservative money things you know and even though like i'm not super into the album i really respected that he did that you know because it's like it's like more about like what else can rap do besides being a young little pump or whatever you know no that's a good point it's like Hey, you, I, 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 this is something that always stands out to me. And mm-hmm. Sean Mendez, I appreciate you, but I was listening <laughs> to his most, I was listening to most, his most recent album, and I was like, yeah. I just know that this dude isn't experiencing what he's singing. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like I just know that, like, and maybe he did at some point. Like I don't know the yeah. writing process. I'm sure it means something to him in some way. But they're like, I think it's dope that jay-z decided to write about something mature because that is what he's dealing with imagine if he was like talking about like different women he's with while he's been married to beyonce for exactly exactly yeah 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 so i agree i i'm you know i'm glad we're on the same page i have such strong opinions about that i'm like do you do you like bieber no i i don't Mm. i don't Mm. i I, I hate to say it i was a huge bieber fan when I was younger, yeah, um, like most uh, late '90s kids were, because I was <laughs> yeah. like, you know, twelve when he got popular. Yeah. Um, but now, I, for me, it's just like a little bit. I, 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 like, I don't know. I feel like he lacks a little bit of authenticity. Yeah. Um, I don't no, know. What do you think? I agree. I just listened to his latest album, um, which I have very strong opinions about it, but. It's 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 so annoying because he's such a great singer. The production's so good. I mean, he has like yeah, he's incredible. People, yeah, he's so good. But the thing is, it's like the all the songs are like, "Hey, babe, like I love you. Like, why won't you be with me?" And I'm like, right. Justin, 
everyone like no everyone knows you're married like everyone knows you're practically as famous as Meghan markle and prince william you know what i mean like right. what if fucking prince william was walking around making an album being like baby i want to be with you <laughs> who are you talking about does megan know about this bro you know I right. just, that's how i feel when i listen to that i'm like it sounds like even though he's talented he has a great production he's like still keeping up with like uh being young you know like he's not Mm -hmm. um he's still keeping up even though he's doing all that i'd feel like he has nothing to say you know and yeah and he's just and he can capitalize you know like i feel like that's what always what it is it's definitely a smart business decision especially if he he, especially like i know at least from what i understand and what i've read he's not fully uh immersed in his writing process always he gets a lot of songs from people who have written that song and then he buys it and he sings it um and i think that comes with a cost right because then it does seem a little bit lack of lack of authenticity because they're not his words um and yeah i agree i mean like sean not to bring up sean again but (laughs) like his song off the album wonder it's like i wonder what it would be like to be loved by you like dude we know you've been in a relationship for four years (laughs) (laughs) like you're so public i don't and like it it sells so they're doing something right i'm just not the listener i guess you know you know but that's like it's like the thing like everybody well not everybody but you know there's a large amount of people who are listening to sean mendez like hoping that they could be with him you know or imagine because he's so dreamy you know (laughs) so like when he sings that it has it serves that function but i don't but i'm not into that you know like i you know i want to be with sean mendez but i want to hear what he has to say really (laughs) right yeah exactly like let me hear his actual thoughts his actual Mm -hmm. feelings and Mm -hmm. like yeah i mean I I agree, and I think, like you said, Jeff does that really well. And like yeah. even the the your favorite song you were talking about, uh, "Dear yeah. Brother," like that is so unbelievably specific and personal. Yeah. And as a listener, what more could you ask for? You mm-hmm. know, like it's their story, and you want to mm-hmm. hear, and you want to learn, and you want to grow with them and form that connection. And there's at least to me, there's no better way than loving an artist who is such a huge authentic storyteller yeah yeah he's willing to say those things yeah i mean one of the sadder things about his story is that when he was making his own career as a young musician and his dad was tim buckley and he was a famous musician in the 70s kind of like not super famous but he had a career like if you go to a boomer like open mic or something and you say tim <laughs> buckley so there's gonna be some old dude that's gonna be like yo you know tim buckley you're cool um, <laughs> i've had that happen so many times and um and um so like when he was making his own career everybody would be like oh you're tim buckley's kid like wow that's crazy or like you know tim buckley's son is here you know but tim buckley left that kid when he was a child you know like they left him when he was like born you know he only knew met tim like once or twice and then tim died of an overdose or something in his early 30s wow yeah and so so he never knew his dad really and he looked a lot like him like there's some pictures that are uncanny and people would say that about him and and so all these interviewers and music journalists and stuff, they would always ask him about Je- about Tim. And he was like, he's just always annoyed by it, you know? Cause like, imagine being like asked about like how much your absent father commu- uh, 
contributed to your career you know what right. I mean? <laughs> like uh nothing it, nothing at all you know right just <laughs> the same blood that's literally it yeah exactly yeah just the same blood you know and um i have this whole thing that i want to i want to like kind of change the story about jeff and because it like music journalism in the 90s um i mean it's a lot like today but like but but they all focused on his relationship with his father because that's an interesting story you know tim died of an overdose he was a musician he had this kid then his kid has this crazy voice just like his dad and his dad had this voice that was like jeff's voice is really elastic and crazy but tim probably i think took like opera singing lessons because he had this booming like huge voice massive and it was way more controlled than jeff's jeff's kind of like unruly i'm sorry i'm talking a lot um but no um, that's the point Keep yeah, it is going. The point. yeah yeah so so, <laughs> so anyway so so jeff was a little more unruly and um and uh fucking what was i saying um um oh 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 so um so there's like this 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 music journalism narrative in the 90s that he was uh he was like a descendant of his dad, you know. And I think that's annoying. I think there's a lot of sexism in that because he he was raised by his single mom and then later by his stepdad and his mom was like uh was like a mu- like loved live music you know she fucked Tim Buckley <laughs> you know what I mean right. like, <laughs> she had all these records that t- Jeff was listening to when he was a kid and and she told him about live music and she told him who to check out and she told him like oh this is your dad and this is you know how I met him and blah 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 whatever you know what I mean it was her it wasn't his fucking deadbeat dad you know and I was just like I'm so annoyed by that you know like uh yeah yeah it's really hard, I think, to be a fan of somebody whose narrative revolves around something that is so minuscule in comparison to what you know about them. Like, yeah, yeah. like I and I completely understand. I mean, obviously not in the same way, but I love certain artists who have gotten a lot of flack for things that aren't don't add up, or that they get a lot of attention for things that they shouldn't get attention for. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I know so much about this amazing person. Why are you harping on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know. Uh, I think it's also has to do with like the fact that people, people think that musicianship is magic, you know, like that it's hereditary or that it's, you know, something like that. And, and, you know, to a certain extent, like maybe vocal cords or I don't know, sizes or whatever, I don't know, something like that is hereditary, but, but it's all skills, you know, it's all stuff that you work on. Like, I think after learning how to sing, I, I hear people talk and I can kind of like gauge and I'm like, I wish you would start singing because your voice would be amazing. Right. <laughs> like, I think anybody can do it if they wanted to, you know. And there's some people that just have such unique voices that I think would really work well for that. And so, so anyway, so I'm like, I'm like, man, fucking, it's not his dad, you know. It's not, it's not hereditary in that way, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, especially as there's so many amazing singers who have children who can't sing. There's a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. It, it, like you said, it's such a refined skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about um, like Jeff Buckley and everything he's done and everything he's created. And uh, what if like you're talking about his narrative? Like, what would you, what would your narrative be to him? Like, if you had if you had like an elevator pitch to be like, hey, this is 
this is what I want you to know about Jeff Buckley. This is why oh. I'm a fan. Like, what would that kind of be to you? If you could oh, like man. change that story that has kind of haunted you, mm-hmm. you know, from what music journalism has, you know, unfortunately always been like. Yeah. I mean, when I tell people about Jeff, I'm just, I'm, I, I kind of just say like, he's the realest guy you're going to listen to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. He's just the realest person. You know, you're going to cry. You're going to laugh. You're going to do, you know, he's so playful and he's so dramatic. But um, it's just like, it's just, I just love that. Like, I, I'm always kind of looking for another um, Jim Morrison, even though he was a giant asshole, I'm, I'm hearing. Um, but, <laughs> but like, I love that, like, swooning kind of like man that's like the sex symbol, like, like, that's kind of like a, like sultry, you know, and mm-hmm. emotional and stuff. You know, sometimes Morrissey did that early on. And, and Jeff is like that was was like that you know where he says like this like really like romantic air around him you know yeah no i i I would focus on the romance first and the way he i mean that full circle right because you're saying how you've ruined that for so many of your relationships yeah oh yeah 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 you're like well yeah of course because this artist you know jeff is so is that sultry i think is a really good word to use and Mm -hmm. his vulnerability and I mean, yeah, I put him on in any setting and the setting becomes a little bit more romantic and a little bit yeah. more like haunting in that like love sort of way. Yeah. Um, and I know that you play guitar, right? Yeah. Uh, I know that Buckley mainly played a Fender Telecaster. Yeah. Um, and he also played a Gibson um, custom guitar. Do you have yeah, any yeah. like other, do you have any guitars that he used or do you have, do you, do you pull inspiration from his guitar playing to play with your own? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? I'm not good enough to pull um, like inspiration from his guitar playing, but <laughs> but um, but um, uh, I really respect his guitar playing a lot. My friend Nick Arnie, again, shout out Nick Arnie. Um, he has a band camp. Check him out. <laughs> um, yeah, check him out. He, he's a great guitarist. Um, he's a phenomenal guitarist, and it's just getting better all the time. And and um we always talk about Jeff because like he very, very clearly like studied some jazz. He has like very good chord chops. He, he studied blues guitar, you know, like he, there were moments on Shanae where he would like randomly impersonate Miles Davis, or he would do like these really kind of hacky blues things. Um, But, but you know, he, he just understood like different uh, guitar styles um and he was always and and also the cool thing about him is that like it was the 90s so he didn't have the internet and so he had such i always think of him like an internet kid before the internet because he had such a vast set of influences that's so rare to see you know because that that's a good dude, point yeah that dude had to like crawl through records to find all the stuff that he was he was dropping listening to you know yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's a really good point like imagine having to go out of your way to discover music yeah without the internet yeah, yeah because like i was doing i was finding all the stuff that he was listening to just in my room in high school you know on right. the computer and this dude had to walk outside to find all that yeah like and like search for yeah. like good records and then play them yeah and, like and meet see if other you like humans them. right yeah he had to like interact and like i think in another like that refines your music taste in such a specific way like your yeah. palette is probably so much more unique because you're not exposed to everything yeah 
you and know also on the internet it's harder to find stuff outside of your bubble of recommendations you know mm-hmm. you have to really try to break through it and when you're in a record store you don't really have that option you know it's just kind of like whatever's in front of you and i really like all the different instruments he includes in his music as well like yeah. the mandolin and the harmonica yeah. and like <laughs> like i I I am a sucker for a good harmonica. I gotta say, like, like I really love it. It's beautiful. Do you like Dylan? I do. I do. My mom used to play Dylan, um, and I don't listen to him like really actively. But I Mm -hmm. I read a book about him. I took a pop music class in college. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, it was really cool. cool. And we we read his uh, biography. And um, yeah, and and that's another one where I'm like, oh, my God, the amount of instruments and the ability to blend them all together and make them sound, you know, so unique. And it's just it's incredible. Mm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to ask you at the end of every podcast, I love to wrap it up with the same question, which is if Jeff was sitting here with us, what would you say to him? I know that's a hard question, but if he was sitting here with us, what would you say? Um, I'd ask him what he's listening to. I want to know. Okay. That's a good question. Ask yeah. him what he's listening to. Yeah. All right. That's good. Where, where would you, where, would you guys just be like hanging out? Yeah. I want to go to a diner with Jeff. That'd be rad. Yeah. Like middle of the night type of ordeal. Yeah. Like after a show diner with Jeff Buckley. I mean, what else do I want in life? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That sounds like if you could like take your DNA out, that would be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yep. After, you know, after show diner with Jeff Buckley. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. Wow. Congrats. Well, Carlos, I cannot thank you enough for being here with us Absolutely. today. Um, again, please promote your podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you, oh, any yeah. social media accounts, give them, give them the yeah. details. It's um, my Instagram is the best way to find me. It's um, at, Wait, what is it? Oh, at Carlos Can't Dance. Um, and then great name, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and um, and then my podcast is called Notes, and people read the notes on their phone, and we talk about why they wrote those notes. Um, and that's on anywhere you find podcasts. Just type Notes and Carlos. Perfect. Well, again, Carlos, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you so much to the audience for tuning in. You can check out Beyond the Key at Beyond the Key Podcast on Instagram. We post new uh, episodes on Thursdays and can't wait for a new episode soon. Again, Carlos, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. To the audience, stay safe and much love.